Hey guys, welcome back to Talk About Assist. I am one of your hosts, Amanda, and I'm here with Maya. What's up, Maya? What's up, girl? Chilling, <laughs> tired. <laughs> <laughs> yes, guys, we do get tired. <laughs> yeah, that was never up for debate. <laughs> I stay tired. Um, so this week, um, I saw a very interesting topic on Twitter and it was kind of like a twofold thing, but basically what it was, was like, someone was like, Lee, what's keeping you in your hometown? And Mm -hmm. so some people answered and then there was a significant, based on who I follow, of course, amount of people were that were saying like, hey, I live in D.C., I live in Atlanta. Why would I want to leave here? And of course, these comments were coming from Black people. And so it made me think like, what are our options as far as like Black people? Like, where can we live? Where can we feel safe? Where can we thrive? Is it limited? And then the other side of that was also um, someone said that you need to leave your hometown to be open-minded, which I think is not true, but that's like another part of it. So what do you think about that? Which part of it? Oh, right. I had two parts. The part about, I mean, I don't know what is in your heart to address first, right? Like, do you need to leave your hometown or to be open-minded? I I think let's talk about that first. I kind of think you do. Yeah. That's what the actual sweet said. He feels Uh, like people are narrow-minded if they don't leave their hometown. Yeah. I don't know about narrow-minded. I think that's a little bit far (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. because I think like not everybody has the means to leave their hometown, obviously, but I don't think that that makes you narrow-minded because you don't have the means. It just means you don't have the means. Like, so watch documentaries, read a ton of books, mm-hmm, be highly exactly. intelligent. Um, do I think that everybody should leave their hometown, uh, whether it's like travel to a different country, if you can't like actually leave your hometown to like live in a different place? I do think that you need to like travel travel somewhere. I do mm-hmm. think it's very hard to have like an accurate depiction of the world and other places if you've only been where you are. Like that's just reality. And I do think that like a lot of the people that I have encountered that have stayed in their hometowns have a just like a very different view of life than me, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's I, not well, always true, obviously. There's right. black and white. So. I think it has to do with your mindset and the mindset of your family. I would use the example with my mother and my father. My mother, like, for example, doesn't like to fly. She doesn't really like to travel. But my mother is one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met. And she is not in that category of people who traveled the world or traveled the U.S. Yeah. And then I have people like my father who's an immigrant, right? He lived in England. He lived in Jamaica. He was in the army. He was in Germany. He's been to a lot of places, a lot of different cities. Mm-hmm. But he's not, to me, more open-minded than my mother. Yeah. And so I think the basis for me is, how were you raised? Mm-hmm. Are you exposed to books? Are you exposed, like you said, yeah. I mean, when we were growing up, like we didn't have YouTube and stuff. So we had books. And I feel like I never got to travel when I was younger. The only place I went to was Florida to visit my grandparents. And my first time out the country wasn't until I was an adult. And I like to say I'm a little more open minded. Yeah. (laughs) People who've got to travel. No, I, I I could agree that it can be both ways um i just mm-hmm. get i just get both sides of that argument like right, I as a person think, that travels yeah, right yeah i do think there are a ton of people who stay in their hometowns are closed-minded and like mm-hmm. have a very limited view of what the world is like we've seen it <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously donald trump was elected president in this country for a reason 
<laughs> yeah, but this guy definitely had the means to travel, and he's still close. I'm not. I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about a lot of people oh. who voted for him. Well, still, he's an example. Yeah. Someone has the means to travel, like a lot of actually, I would say, white people or wealthy people that go to these countries, and they're mm-hmm. like biased towards the the locals. It's like I don't know. I think it just depends on your mindset ultimately. Yeah, for sure. But a lot of people. What I'm saying is, a lot of people that voted for him were like white Southerners, white people that live in rural areas that like have never. Yeah left their town you know like and everybody around them believes like they do you know like that, mm-hmm. that type of stuff so i do think that that is definitely common um but obviously there's always things that like, people that don't operate that way and a ton of people that may not have you know like i said the means to travel but have mm-hmm. access to like education and books right and all that stuff right. um i definitely wouldn't and i also think like towns are different so like you said okay like your mom never left her town but she grew up in D.C. D.C. is diverse. <laughs> you know, you see. Well, it hasn't always diverse, so we can't say that. No, it, I mean, it hasn't always been that way but during I mean, her time. But think about cities, right? Like mm-hmm. compare, comparing growing up in a city to growing up in freaking a small town. Alabama. I mean, saying that, you know? right. So, like, yeah. that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> Don't offend the Alabamans. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, um... There's a difference in where you grew up, even if you haven't left. Like somebody who um, maybe grew up in New York and never left, that's a lot different, you know? Their experiences are a lot different. I actually have a good question. Well, I don't know because I don't know if you spent enough time in New York or grew up there to know that I've had like so many... Not that saying if you're racist, you're not open-minded, but I had so many racist experiences in New York. I'm like, isn't this the city full of all these ethnicities? Like, why why is this happening up here? That used to be my thought, though, growing up. I think, like, there's racism in whatever city you go to. Um, I think that's just, like, life and operating in the world as a black person. Are you not used to this? No, I don't think New York is. I've been to much more racist cities than New York. Like I went to Madrid, way more racist than New York. Like I don't no. feel, I don't feel, obviously I feel systemic racism. Obviously mm-hmm. I feel racism in the work system. Walking through my regular life in New York, I don't really feel as much racism as I would compared hmm. to like towns that I've visited. That's interesting because coming from DC and visiting New York, I always felt like, and it may, may have just been like a downtown thing, right? Like I'm in Manhattan, I'm a tourist. And so maybe there's a whole different culture compared to the other borough. So I have to take that in consideration. But my experience Brooklyn is way different than Yeah, my experiences in like Manhattan being a tourist is like, are you kidding me? Especially coming from the district. I'm like, are y'all acting like (laughs) we're all what part of Manhattan are you in? Are you in the upper west side, which is all white people? Like Right. So there's that part. Okay. So I get that, but like you said, that kind of brings up um the first point I made when the people that lived in Atlanta and the DC area were like, why would I leave here? And it made me think like as black people, that's another thing that we got to deal with is where we choose to live based on our safety, whether it be physical, emotional, mental, things like that. Yeah. And you've definitely traveled um, a lot more than me. So how would you, how do you determine where you decide to live based on your psychological, mental safety? I mean, decide to live. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't mean, really take I that. You, in. Yeah. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No, when I moved to New York, I was kind of like, uh, it's the number one city for like media and entertainment. Okay. <laughs> I went to school here. 
I'm going to move here because this is where my job is. Mm-hmm. And like, I have a huge community of black friends here. So I don't really feel like who mm-hmm. I surround myself with are black people. So in my everyday mm-hmm. life, most of the people who I'm interacting with are black. And because we're in a pandemic now, <laughs> I don't even have to go into the office right now and like deal right. with like work politics and like you know it can be like i've said in previous episodes it could be exhausting to be like in a workspace with all white people and you're like one of the few black people there um Mm -hmm. like to come home after a work day like that it's like a sigh of relief so that's one good thing about the pandemic which is like i get to be in my own space and i don't feel like i have to like put Mm -hmm. on wow that's actually a good point that i did not think of like imagine if you are working or living in a place with a whole bunch of racism and microaggressions being able to work from home can make that better yeah for sure and I never thought of that until just now Mm -hmm. so that's a good point have you um just based on your travels is there a place you've been where you felt like would have been a better place for you as a black woman um no I think like you have to live somewhere for at least like six months to Mm -hmm. really get a sense of like whether you would be safe there I did find it interesting going to Italy because like Italians love black women like that's just <laughs> reality. And I don't know if that's like fetishization, which mm-hmm. for a lot of people probably is. But just like the feeling of being totally desired was mm-hmm. like, don't get me wrong. It's not like I don't think that people find me attractive here. Right. Like, right. But obviously we're women and we're black and we're on the bottom of the totem pole here. And it's like, as I get older, more ag- I'm more aware where I fall. Mm-hmm. And like, it was nice being in Italy because even if it was like escapism, I didn't feel that way for mm. you know a week i felt like oh like i'm living my best life out here like i'm loved <laughs> everybody trying to holler at me you know and then to think to then get back and be like okay like back to real life you're right though it's not an yeah. accurate depiction but yeah briefly I, I get that it was a nice and escape. I get that. yeah i think I I don't want to say all European men because I don't have experience with a lot of European men, but my experience in the U.S. with European men, yeah, they like love black women. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you could say all European men. I'm not going to say all, but my experience is like even just like being in Miami, it was like them men come to me like, ah, yes, please. Not that accent. I don't know what European accent. Is. I don't know. You know, I'm not familiar with European countries, but these are uh, white males. I would call them white males in America, but they're probably from Europe. So yeah, I get that part of it. But yeah, I guess if you don't live anywhere, it's you can't really determine. Yeah, you can't. But I guess my thought is: is there any place? safe for us to live what i found interesting is that like when before i went to italy i was reading about like the um amount of black women moving to italy for love Mm. like leaving their yeah leaving their careers and moving to italy to find love like and i was like for for your white men or black men for white men that's a that's another discussion right That's another discussion. I don't want to get too. I, I don't think that's another discussion. I think it's all part I of the same discussion. I think, what what, what, what or, are you finding different? If we talk about men in general and men being a certain type of way, what makes these Italian men differently? They're treating you better than black men are treating you. So why go to Italy? Why not find a white man in America? Because it's not the same culture. Okay, just what's depicted on television? Chauvinistic? Sexist? 
No. Well, I mean, those are all gen- that's all general those are like generalizations. I'm telling you that there's a, a women like a set of women are moving to Italy because Italian men are treating them better. Okay. So is the depiction of Italian American men being pigs? Oh, I don't know how Italian American men are of no clue. <laughs> I don't hang out around with Italian American men. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, they're in New York, they're in New Jersey, so <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's not somebody that I don't have a comparison because I don't but I I don't think Italian American men are anything like Italian men. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know anything about Italian Europeans. I just I don't know. I guess I would have to look into that to see like what are these Should. men treating you more differently than a American man would. I mean, my dad told me the same thing. He was like, if you want to get married, you should marry someone from another country because he sees the difference as an immigrant and have someone who has traveled a lot about how women are treated. But I thought we've had not, not that not that patriarchy is obviously confined to America, but I do think that right. there's definitely a difference. I always assumed that it was worse. Not in every country, but outside of America, because they're so strict and they're not really flexible. And I don't agree with that at all. I mean, I guess even hearing people from share their experiences in Nigeria and a lot of African countries, it's like don't go outside your tribe, don't go outside your race. And the, same thing men, in Asian communities. The men, like, the men that I've been treated the best by have not been American. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I would like to hear about long-term relationships, right? Cause yeah, it's a thing. And I think I you know. have to, and I think that when we talk about like safety, emotional mm-hmm. safety is part of safety. So I'm like, right. some people are literally moving to other countries to be in, in emotionally safe relationships because they cannot find that here. Which and I I'm assuming it's certain countries, right? We're not talking about third obviously, world countries. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, hey, who says you can't find love in a third world country? Though? I don't <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about everything, and again, it could be like American propaganda, but things we hear about sounds, other countries. Sounds like it. Hearing about other people's cultures and what yeah. women can do and what women can't do. Yeah, is. but those are like very specific places. It's not like the entire other world is not progressive. Mm. There's like countries that are way more progressive, cities that are way more progressive than a lot of places in America. I would like to learn about these more so progressive cities because yeah, the I mean, way like, look at the South. Up. The South is freaking so sexist. Another, so racist. This was horrible. But I'm thinking of like my immigrant peers that I've met through college and through high school who come to America because my dad says, I can't date this person or in this country, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. These yeah. are the people that I'm coming across because obviously I live in a city where we have a lot of foreign exchange students. We have a lot mm-hmm. of politicians and dignitaries come to the embassies. And I don't hear that this open-minded view of if you come to this country, it's like, hey, it's like I'm trying to escape my country. Yeah, I mean, you are trying to escape your country, but obviously you're escaping something that feels better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So you feel like, back to the original question, yeah. is there a safe place for Black people to thrive? Um, and when I say thrive, not just in love, but in employment and raising your children. Like, is there, does that place exist for us? I don't know. Not, not, you know, no, no, no I don't think so. <laughs> no. I think, I, I, think think we, so. I think we make compromises you know, for what's for what's right for us. You know, like I have family members that are raising their kids in predominantly white towns and while their kids Mm -hmm. are getting great educations, they you know, they have to like deal with things that they wouldn't have to if they lived in a predominantly black town or like Mm -hmm. uh, have things happen at school that wouldn't happen if they had a diverse, you know, set of students or faculty. (laughs) Um, So yes, that is like a concession that has to be made if you want 
unfortunately your kids to get a good education in most Mm -hmm. not i wouldn't say most in a lot of american Mm -hmm. cities but then like my cousin who grew up in georgia had so much more education about like black history than i did Mm -hmm. so my mom sent me to predominantly white schools Mm -hmm. and she had when i was like super young not as like i got into my like teens and stuff but like Mm -hmm. she had she learned about stuff i had never learned about because she went to predominantly black school right right um but no I think uh, to your question as a whole, no, there's no, no. safe place for a black person. There's not. And I used They're always to, making uh, some level of compromise. <laughs> no, I agree. And I used to feel like um, D.C. was that place. And then, of course, as I got older and I got into politics and government, I realized like, you know what? Damn, this is... This is supposed to be the blackest city in America, Chocolate City. And as you know, we talked about on previous episodes, we have the highest maternal death rate in the country. So how is it that I thought I was safe and when we're dealing with homicide and black women are dying and we have the highest disparity in um, um, household income. So basically gentrification is hit us harder than anywhere in the country. And I'm like, damn, where are we safe? I mean, how can black people be safe in a racist system? That's just never going to happen. <laughs> oh, this is reality. And so it brings me down to it's like sometimes, like you said, we're choo- we, what you implied, we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. It's like, okay, yeah. move to a white neighborhood yeah. and we may not have to deal with crime and crime, but we still got to deal with microaggressions and racism and not being taught, yeah. you know, stuff that's close to us. Or you could be like uh, most black people because there um, is definitely research and data. And I've read a few articles over the years that says black families like married with children tend to choose urban um I, I said urban in quotes like y'all can see me but i said urban in quotes urban areas over the suburbs because they want to be around their people mm-hmm. and the part with that is dealing with the violence dealing with the poverty and everything that comes with it the schools that don't really have great resources and i feel like that's what i'm doing now right i'm making yeah. a conscious choice like i can go move to the suburbs I can go to the down south and live a happy, quiet life. But like what culture and experience are my children getting? Or I can live in a house where bullets are coming through my home. (laughs) But my kids are getting the culture and experience. I don't know. It's rough. I can't. I mean, I don't I can't relate. But (laughs) I think if I were to have kids, I would want to raise them not in just like a only black Mm -hmm. school zone, but like a diverse school zone with all races. Because I think that's what the world world is like. So I would look for the most diverse. Is that based on how you were, like your thought about that? Is that based how you were grown up? How you were raised as a grown up? How you were raised? No, I think I went to like all different types of schools. Um, but mm-hmm. like I remember being a teenager and I was, you know, I was a bad kid. A bad mm-hmm. kid in quotations. I wasn't bad. Um, <laughs> I had life experiences that made me the way that I was. But I mm-hmm. distinctly remember my dad telling me, oh, I'm not going to send you to that school because you're going to get yourself in trouble. And that was like the public school Hmm, in the area. It was predominantly black. And then I ended up going to a Catholic school that was predominantly white. It did have, it did have like a mix of students. There were black kids and there were Latino kids. And I think there were some Asian kids too, Mm -hmm. but obviously the majority was white because tuition was like, I don't know, thousands of dollars a year. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do think I had some diversity there, though. And I think I lived in a diverse town growing, at least in my teens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there were like kids of all races. So maybe, yeah, that was my experience. I remember being a kid and having like an Asian best friend. 
Mm-hmm. When I was like nine or ten, I remember mm-hmm. having a really close friend who was Syrian. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I just had a diverse. Maybe yeah, I did. I, I guess I never really like thought about that deeply. But yeah, I think I did have a diverse upbringing, and I want my kids to have the same thing. I think like to be a well-rounded individual, you want to be able to like experiences all, all different types of cultures. Yeah, I so. agree with that. Uh, the exposure part. There's a part of me like you. I grew up in one of the very few um, diverse neighborhoods in the district because my father is an immigrant and so my grandparents came here they moved to obviously a diverse neighborhood so like you my best friend growing up was Vietnamese um one was El Salvadorian that's that's just the nature of the schools I went to like morning announcements was like in three different languages but for me I don't feel like that I need it I don't feel like my children need to be around that the entire world is (laughs) non-black you to me going to school with only black kids and growing up in a city with majority black doesn't stunt growth or anything because you're going to see these people anyway. And I feel like, yeah, but are you going to have them as friends? They're going to have time. I feel like to be exposed to different cultures as a child is like really important. Yeah. I I, I mean, if it's, if it's there, okay. I don't think it's just based on my experience. I don't see a difference between my peers who came up in all black schools Mm -hmm. versus me that happened to come up in a school, multicultural school. It's like, we see y'all. When we travel, we see y'all. When we work, we see y'all. If you have the means to travel. Yeah. I, I guess you, I'm single more yeah. so going to college, but does that make me a more better person? I don't think it's about being better. I just think it's about being like aware. Like, are you getting to college and you're like, dang, I didn't know my friend from so-and-so country had those type of traditions. You know, maybe if you had gone to a... But that happens or- to me to black people. They go to colleges and meet black people from other cities and they're like, I didn't know that other black people did. It's kind of like the whole thing, like black people have to eat a certain way and then you meet another black person doesn't eat that. Everybody's going to get a culture shock at some point. But yeah, my thought sure. is we don't, people don't teach white Americans to, you need to be diverse, right? White Americans are taught to stay with their own kind. I'm, and I'm talking about America as a whole, not the more diverse cities, but they're not forcing their children to integrate and mix. But we, to me, it's like we have to teach our children to do that. And I don't think we need to do that to be successful or be well-rounded. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really thinking about like forcing my children to integrate. I just want my children to have a diverse view of the world. It's not about Mm -hmm. integrating or picking up their culture or caring, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's literally just, hey, there's people in the world that are different than you. And like, we're going to interact with them. You know, you could teach them your culture. They could teach you their culture. Like, I think those exchanges are important. It's not about like assimilation for me. Okay. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. And so based on what you said, then when, if you do decide to raise children, that is going to play a role in where you decide to live. Oh, yeah. Probably a huge role. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, things to think about, but I think it's a tough decision. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, like, you're right. Raising a family and then, like, not having children is because... I know that as, you know, without children, I'd probably live anywhere. But I think about where, what my children want to see and what kind of people I want them to be. And do I want them to go through what I go through as an adult and being able to process it as a child? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's so many places I wouldn't live in America. And I don't know if that's like an arrogant side of me. You mean now? Yeah. Like, I mean, without children, I don't know. Without I can live children. In I was like, 
Yeah, no, no. Without children, I, I would live in the whitest place ever. If I'm, I would girl, not. I'm why go. would you? Why would you do that? I don't I would know. Never I, just, put, I would never put myself through that. I think it's just it may be like an arrogant side of me, right? I always say that sometimes people from my city are just like we can go wherever we want. It's that's not true, but that's just how I feel. Um, I mean, you me can think- for sure, but I'm just like, why would you subject yourself to that? <laughs> To experience different places. And again, I, it's not like I've been everywhere in the world, but like never moved my children to Rhode Island. But like I visited Rhode Island. I had a good time there. I would I would move there as a single person. But like you had a good time visiting is much different than you like you had. Yeah, well definitely visiting doesn't yeah. is like you say, you need at least six months. But yeah. um you're right, because I did live in Huntsville, Alabama for over a year and I was like, Yeah, this place isn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm good. Like I'm not trying to be near a sundown town, and that's the thing. It's 2021, and people are still talking about sundown towns and places black people can't go. You know, in the sunset, and that makes me wonder. We're so limited to urban areas. Some of the places you've been, where would you live in the U.S.? Um, damn, that's a tough one. Like my probably Atlanta. Atl- okay, because there's a ton of black people. I know uh, that. Right. I, you know, I can go out of my house and find places where I'm mm. only around other black people you know i go there mm-hmm. a lot obviously my dad's three sisters live there going next week mm-hmm. so like i go there and i always feel comfortable i would never live in a place where like literally every place i go into is mostly white like because mm-hmm. i just don't feel comfortable in those spaces like right and it's like little things even last night like maybe this doesn't have to do with racism but like i don't see a black person doing i don't see a, I, I haven't had this experience with black people like being in my personal space like mm-hmm. say say you're standing so like yesterday i was standing somewhere at a bar and like clearly standing like taking up my space and this like group of non-black people i won't say <laughs> you know what but like are like encroaching upon my personal space like i'm not there mm-hmm. you know I, i'm I like i know you that. see me here <laughs> like so just i've been standing here for 10 minutes and you guys are literally like acting like i i'm literally not here um so i don't have those experience in black spaces you're right we don't yeah. because we one we're like what do you we need our space what are you yeah. doing <laughs> yeah like why like why why do you think that i'm obligated to move because you want to be in this space Right. And there's, so there's a very small, very small part of me that understands that some people's culture and this, and I'm not referring to white Americans at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't mind the whole, we're up on each other getting but there stuff was hell done. Other space. There was yeah, other yeah. Space. <laughs> so I just want to say that I recognize that certain cultures that it's kind of like come go. We're all up on each other. We're trying to get things done. Mm-hmm. And then at the other time it's like people want to, they know we're there, but they don't care that we're there. And that's yeah. that part that I get, you understand. And I feel, I feel a lot of that in the South, especially like, Mm. Alabama, Mississippi. And so, no, there are black people that move in the South. And this is definitely obviously no shade because plenty of people raise their children in the South. But I just couldn't purposely leave the East Coast Mm -hmm. and subject my children to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would never. I I always say that. I always say, like, okay, I'm not, I'm lying because I would definitely raise my children in like Georgia and Atlanta because, like, where my family lives. Oh, my dad's side. Well, some of them. But I would never raise my kids in like a, a white South town. Absolutely no, not. Absolutely not. I mean, I, I visited think, Charlotte and it was okay. But again, you got to live there first, right? I, I went to middle school outside of Atlanta for one year. And my cousin mm-hmm. reminded me the other day of just like some really messed up things that happened to us because we went to a mostly white school. She, my cousin got in trouble because some 
boy called me the n-word on the bus wow and she punched him and she got in trouble for it and then mm. like when we got home my aunt was like what the heck and my cousin was like well he called Maya whatever like and she's mm-hmm. like oh okay like it's fine it's like that's crazy though yeah I, because i went to so many like different schools mm-hmm. um i had a lot of different experiences <laughs> so i had diverse school experiences i had mm-hmm. predominantly white school experiences like i had predominantly black experiences like i i was just exposed to a lot because mm-hmm. we moved, moved so much so but yeah i definitely experienced a lot of racism in white schools so wow. yeah i would never subject my children to that you know like, yeah what oh is it to God. be called the n-word on the school bus? <laughs> 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 which is funny because uh cameron which is my oldest my stepson we sent him mm-hmm. to a um a camp experience two years ago he was the only mm-hmm. black kid on the experience it was like an hour bound mm-hmm. and he was called the n-word and I, you know us we're just like oh people still do that <laughs> and yeah. so he ended up beating up the boy um they called us and was like whatever but i'm like dang mm-hmm. some people actually come you know say it to us as friends like why'd you send him on that and i'm like because it was a camping experience yeah i don't I think anything I- of it I wouldn't have even been mad if my son beat somebody up. Oh, of course I wasn't mad. People were asking me, why did we subject him to a camping trip in which he was the only black person? And honestly, oh. I thought it was a great experience. Um, and then, you know, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't think of sending a black boy from D.C. to a whole bunch of white people from rural America on a campus. I just thought it would be a good experience for him. I mean, um, but now looking back here, like, yeah. That, that I don't was. know. He seemed to be fine with it. He beat the boy up and they ended up being like friends on social media or something, which is weird to me. But what kids are different, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> it just so, sounds confused. <laughs> and so now I, get, I, I guess my other thought is people who do intentionally send their children to schools in white neighborhoods. Like, mm-hmm. what is this? Like, what is what? Why are you sending them to a school experience with only white people where they're the token black kid? Or the well, why did you do kid? that? <laughs> I just, we just did it for a camping experience. I don't think we realized that it would just be, he would be the only black person at the time. We just thought like, oh, this is a nice camp experience. Yeah. It builds leadership skills. But I, I think they do that of, you know, first through fifth grade, a culture of just white people. I don't know. Like, I think are these- they do that because that's a better education system. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Than a lot of black communities, it's just reality. They I don't have like the same resources doing- in a lot of neighborhoods. Obviously, there's exceptions, but I feel like if you're doing what you're doing at home, you don't have to worry about that. And I know I'm a public school advocate, and I'll say that right now. I feel like I'm doing much better if you're than doing a lot of what? When like if we're comparing private schools to public school or public schools in the suburbs to public schools in the urban areas, I feel like me and my siblings and my peers are doing exceptionally well and on the same level as private people who went to private schools that are forty thousand, fifty thousand dollars a year. What what difference? I don't see a difference. Maybe you have a better vocabulary than me. <laughs> I just don't see a difference of performance on the adult level. And so for me as a black, what do you person, mean? That's like saying like I'm, there's a ton of schools in black communities that have horrible education systems but i said i feel like if you're doing what you're doing at home it doesn't matter Yeah, but like what if you don't have the time like what do you mean what do you mean you're even into your kid's school you're not i don't think to me the parents no to again as someone who has a school in her neighborhood that's title three that's not performing if you're 
involved in your children's education, no matter what but school you're a single parent, you have jobs to support your kids because you're trying to survive. And you don't have the time to be as involved with your kids' schoolwork, which there's a ton of moms like that. But no, there's a want not to be, in- um, there's not being involved and there's a desire to be involved. Are okay, you so say you have the desire, but you- their work. Okay, but say you have the desire, but you literally just do not have the time. That's you're working two you, jobs, you're a single mom. I get like, that. You may can't make PTA meetings. You may can't be involved in the fundraisers. But do your children have the expectation? What expectation? That has nothing to do with your availability. Expectation of what? To do well in school. It's an expectation that's set regardless of the time that you have. But what does that have to do with our initial What point? I'm saying is, is, is sending them to the white school going to change this expectation? The expectation is, oh, it's a better schooling because they're going to school with them. Yeah, but right? you can do well and sail through school in a community that's not teaching you like they should be and i and i guess my doesn't mean that you're there like, are parents who send their children to these suburban schools and it may not just be white it could be suburban but they're not even involved but their thought is well they go to this good school so they're going to be better off yeah i mean i don't think either of those are right but i also think like it's just reality that like the education is not the same in a lot of communities I don't know. I guess there's a side of me that feel like there are some, um, and I would say blacks, but non-white people, other people of color who send their children to white majority white schools just because they assume it's better because it's all white versus. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. But I do think reality is a lot of them are better, sadly. (laughs) Mm. And that's just because of resources. That's fair. I just, as a me personally, I don't care what school my child goes to. I feel like whatever school they go to, they're going to thrive and be good because of what I instill at home. Oh, no. I don't agree with that. But that's just me. But no, but if you didn't have a, like, say you couldn't get your kid to that good school and your kid was going to a local school that didn't have the best resources, mm-hmm. your kid's going to do well because of who you are. Maybe. And the <laughs> like, that's the hope, but the prime example that I'm giving is before all this redlining and busing to other schools, black people came from environments where they had shitty schools because of racism uh-huh. and our parents and our great grandparents. I mean, right. Do. And, but <laughs> they made a way and made successful people without all of that. Oh, all these great sure. black people we talked about because what their parents instilled in them and their expectations. Do you really have to send your kid to a white school to get a good education? No. No, I'm, that's not what I'm arguing, though. It's the expectation. And actually, <laughs> that's right. I guess the, the, the initial thought was are people who, like, intentionally send their children to schools in white neighborhoods who otherwise have other options. I, of course, if you live in a neighborhood, that's your only option. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, Some that's people what I'm just don't have about. any other option. I'm talking about people who have the options and then intentionally send their children to predominantly white schools. Mm-hmm. I, don't I don't know. know. I mean, I know, like, I even think about, like, most, like, one of my friends who grew up, actually, this, she's not really the only person that has mm-hmm. told me that. I feel like it's super harmful to send a black child to a predominantly white school, depending on the child, you know, but I do think, like, for example, a lot of women, a lot of young girls who went to those types of schools and are black were like, you know, they didn't realize that they were beautiful until they got to college mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, because the standards of beauty and you know blonde uh blonde hair yeah. blue eyes is what's considered attractive and, and so they wait. grew up yeah <laughs> they grew up their whole lives thinking they were ugly when really they just mm. grew around all white people so i think it's damaging yeah i think it's damaging in the same way that like you know european eurocentric standards of beauty are damaging you know that we only right. see white people on the television like i think it's 
I think it's one and the same. Right. So yeah. Um, the initial part of the conversation was just what? Do we need to leave our hometown? <laughs> yeah. Is there a safe place for um black people? And I think we both agree that there really isn't a safe place for us to thrive emotionally, but we end up choosing what works best for us based on our personalities. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I I do genuinely feel like, oh, the more educated and the older I get, Mm. the more I realize what they meant when they said, like, Black women really get the short end of the stick. Mm. And I just don't think I really understood that. Mm -hmm. Like, I got racism. I understood what Mm -hmm. that meant. Like, my dad, obviously an activist, gung-ho, like, always telling me about racism and how it shows up in my life. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't even think my dad understands what it means to be a black woman. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's talking about that from the perspective of being a black man. And like, mm-hmm. yes, that's wonderful. And it's true. Mm-hmm. But like there's an added layer when you're also a, a woman. Right. You know, what and I'm I saying? didn't understand. I didn't understand yeah. that at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm still learning it. I think yeah. honestly, you <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> talking to you and maybe some things that I see online, like on Twitter and I follow certain Instagram pages. It kind of highlights it for me. I don't see it. Again, I just grew mm-hmm. up in a place where I see Black women thriving. And yeah. it's hard for me to say, what do you mean Black women get the short end of the stick? All the Black women I see are freaking at the top. Yeah. So, yeah. But I do. I actually thank you for that. Because some things I don't pay attention to that I start to pay attention to. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, like, <laughs> in so many companies, you know, like, okay, right. they hired another white dude or, like, right. me, me and a white man are applying for jobs at the same time. I have oh more God. education and I see him just get jobs. Yeah, you know, and I have I'm a better resume. <laughs> you know, like I'm hearing that from my from my girlfriends who work in private sector. Um, and like one of my girlfriends works in New York as well. Um, and then my mom also shared her experiences with me. Even being at the top, she's her resume is impeccable, and she still will have mediocre white men chosen over her. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing it now. So you're right. We we choose what works best for us based on our resume. Honestly. I think it boils down to our resume and personality. Yeah, it's stressful. <laughs> what are we to do? What are we to do? These are things they kind of just like try not to think about because if I think about them too much, I'd just be discouraged. You know, I can only do the best that I can. Yeah. Well, in that case, I think New York is perfect for you then. <laughs> yeah, I'm so tired of New York though. Like, I'm ready to get the hell oh, yeah. out of here. I right. just where are you going to go next? Italy. I don't know. No, girl. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking about going to Atlanta, honestly. But, you know, New York right now is best for my career. So Right, for your career. That's exactly. why, I, that's literally. Probably. That's it. We choose what's yeah. best for our resume, what's yeah. best for our personality. Yeah, it's literally the only reason why I'm here. Like, okay. uh, otherwise, we'll be in a house that I bought. <laughs> you know, mm. like, it's just way too expensive. It's mm. not. It's not. Um, not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's also like a giant city. It's not the best for like long term relationships. Mm. Like you know, I'm entering a new phase in my life, so I'm like literally the only reason I'm in New York is for work. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm like career isn't everything. You have to be. It isn't. It isn't. Yeah. If yeah. yeah, you're right. You gotta look at your quality of life as a whole. Hmm. QO it. QOL. QOL, baby. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Great. So uh, we thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. 
per usual, make sure you check us out on Instagram at the Talk About Assist Podcast. Yes. Subscribe to us on Apple or Spotify. And if you haven't left a review, please leave a review. Yes. And tune into the page. We we want to really get engaged. I know you guys are like on our individual pages, but please tune into the page to talk about Assist Podcast Instagram page. Please do. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Bye. This is